is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to have Monsignor Stephen Rossetti with us today. Monsignor Rossetti recently wrote a book called Diary of an American Exorcist, Demons, Possessions, and the Modern Day Battle Against Ancient Evil. It's Sophia Press that just came out, but we're blessed to have you. Welcome today, Monsignor Rossetti. Thanks, Brian. It's nice to be with you. It's a blessing. You have a very full background, both as a Catholic speaker, as a psychologist, an educator, a retreat leader, written extensively a number of books. How did you get involved in the ministry as an exorcist? Well, it's kind of serendipity. The, uh, the cardinal was looking for, first of all, he had a case in service, and he asked me as a psychologist to do the psych eval, which I did. And I said, this person does not appear to have a psychological problem. And then, so I think you need an exorcist. So I said, you need to find one. So he was looking, he asked three different priests to do it. And they all <laughs> said, no. <laughs> so yeah. I said, well, I said, well, gee, you know, give it to me. How hard can it be? So that was kind of dumb. But, but nonetheless, that's how I got into it about 14 years ago. And and then, as I say, that's history. Uh, that's how, and that's been. And then, in the last, I'd say, five, ten years, the the ministry has really boomed, if you will. It's just right. flooded with cases, frankly. Right. What would you say, especially as a psychologist? There are some people that would have a skepticism about the demonic or spiritual. And and how would you speak to that? How would you speak to just a, a person of how can you tell the difference, or what are some examples of the difference between uh, a psychological illness and a spiritual illness? Yeah. Well, if first question is skeptics. I mean, there are. I mean, a lot of priests don't, and there, there are bishops who don't believe it either. You know, I'm right. reminded of Father Gabriel Morth, the famous exorcist mm-hmm. in Rome. He, he was talking to a Vatican cardinal, and the, the cardinal said, I, I don't believe in all that demonic Satan stuff. And mm-hmm. Father Gabriel said, well, you know, your eminence, I have a book I want you to read. He said, well, what book is that? He said, the Bible. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, it starts with, with Jesus and his ministry. You know, he, it was a major part of his ministry, is casting out demons. It was a sign of the inbreaking of the kingdom. And then he said, and I give this authority to you, and I command you to do this. So it's really not optional. It's really part of who we are as a, as a church that does the ministry of Jesus. And so I think it starts, starts by reading the Bible. And that is interesting, because sometimes exorcists are seen as people who are just casting out demons when it's really a ministry of spiritual healing. And I don't think we hear enough in that context when, when we think of exorcism. Yeah, I mean, for example, it starts with baptism. You know, in baptism, there are minor exorcisms. Do you renounce Satan and all his works, all his empty promises? The RCA program has these, these exorcisms uh, before they are received into the church. So it's always been part of the sort of fullness of the Christian life to ask for God's blessing, sanctifying grace, which also casts out Satan and any evil influence. It doesn't mean everybody's possessed, but it does mean that without God's grace, we fall under the sway of Satan in some way. Mm-hmm. How did you, when you were first asked to do it, I mean, you speak in language like, sure, I guess someone's got to do it, I'll, I'll do it. Were, were you a little afraid when you, when you took it on? 
No, maybe I should have been. No, no, I, no I, 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 people keep asking me that. I think people are afraid of the monarchy. That's because we're not thinking like Christians. You know, right. uh, that we have this implicit kind of dualistic notion of the universe that there's God and there's Satan and they're equal. Nonsense. Satan is a dust bunny compared to God and compared to Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. Satan is a creature and can only do what God allows. So he's on a short chain and uh, and we are protected, you know, when we live in a state of grace and we hide, I hide behind, just what I tell people, I hide behind Jesus and Jesus protects me. Right. I remember there was a book uh, written in, I think, 2004 called The Deceiver, Our Daily Struggle with Satan by Father Livio Fanzaga. I think he was an exorcist in Rome and very impressed, but he had two words of advice. He said, don't overestimate the devil. He's a fallen angel. He can do nothing without God's permission, but don't underestimate the devil. He's like a chained oh. dog. Stay away. Stay away. Any any thoughts about that? Yeah, no, I, that's perfect advice. Don't overestimate it, but but be, be careful. I mean, if you start dabbling in the occult, committing serious sins, or God forbid, start inviting Satan into your life by doing some of these things that people are doing these days, like practicing witchcraft, my gosh. I mean, I'm stunned mm-hmm. and shocked by the hundreds of thousands of people who are practicing witchcraft. There's a, I just read an article. There's a woman in uh, Seattle that has, has, she professes to be a witch, and she has 400,000 followers. Wow. You know, uh, electronically. So I'm, I'm going. Whoa. You know, I mean. Uh, so yeah, don't, uh, don't overestimate Satan, but don't, don't invite him into your life and wonder why your things fall apart. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. I did hear. I remember hearing someone say that in one of the major cities in the Northwest, there was like 60 covens in the city. Uh-huh. It was like 60 coven. Which coven? You know what I mean? That, oh, I don't even yeah, have yeah. categories for that. Where, where, where does? How do people even get involved in that life? That you know, what yeah. advice would you to hear? I mean, how to, that almost seems fantastical or just in a fantasy. No, world. actually, what, I don't what, think How it do is. people I, go from one to another? What What is that? What, why are people getting connected well, or why are they drawn to it? Well, one diocese said that there are more witches' covens in our diocese than we have Catholic institutions, you know, churches and hmm. schools and stuff. And I believe it. I mean, I've worked with several people who were involved in covens. And here's what's happened. In other words, first of all, People are not being trained in the, in the Christian faith anymore, so they really have no religious training or background. And then what they see on television everywhere is this, you know, uh, you know, isn't witchcraft fun? They just show how to do curses, and it makes it look like the witchcraft is nice. So they don't see anything wrong with it. And then they start getting curious, and they start practicing witchcraft, thinking it's fun or interesting or some way of, you know, being spiritual, if you will, and controlling things and powerful. And so they just don't know. And uh, the the problem with it is it's a huge opening to, to the demonic. Whether you think you're practicing good witchcraft or not, I mean, there's no such thing as good witchcraft. You might intend to do good, but you can't use evil means to do good. And, for example, we had a couple the other day that came into us. They had some demonic issues, and so they called in this person who was doing witchcraft to, to heal them, quote-unquote. And so she did her thing, and right after that, things got a thousand percent worse. As literally, all hell broke loose in their lives, and so then we had to try to clean up, clean up the mess. So to all those people practicing "quote unquote" good witchcraft, absolutely not. Whether you know it or not, you're invoking Satan's presence, and especially with young people, because there's a lot of dabbling, there's a lot of media, and, and that's very attractive to them to try it out, or this is good luck, or to fall in love, or to have someone else fall in love with you, or you know, success in life. Yeah, it's, it's very subtle uh, yeah. temptation. Well, for example, the, the movie The Exorcist, a famous you know 1970s movie that was so popular, uh, it's actually based on a real case. 
there was a 12-year-old boy, not actually not a girl, in the movie it was a girl, but a 12-year-old boy who was playing with a Ouija board for months. And he got possessed. And uh, it was a real case. And you can read the notes from The Exorcist. They're available. And it was an, it was an ugly situation. He was dabbling in the occult. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to just the ordinary ways that we can open ourselves up to Satan, really just sins, and to not just it's not just with crystals or New Age. Can you speak to that and why that's important to well, uh, close yeah. close doors to those areas that can that can make a person open to the influence of the evil one? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, Satan is involved in everyone's life in some way. He tempts all of that's his ordinary behaviors. So all of us are tempted for sure. But there are some times when Satan's involved in what we call the extraordinary ways, whether there are demonic oppressions, possessions, some sort of real intensive personal involvement in the person's life. And the way that happens, of course, is typically the occult, whatever. Now, usually serious sin, anytime you commit a sin, you're separating yourself from the Lord and putting yourself more under Satan's sway. So anytime you get, and if you get involved in serious sin, admired in it, that can be an opening for the demonic. Typically, we don't typically see people get possessed by committing serious sins. Although it does happen. We've had people who, you know, were involved in drugs or alcohol in a very serious way, and and then fell away from the faith, and um, add those two together, and that's not good. I found that probably the two cases as a priest, when I was called to a little bit more allegedly extreme cases of things happening in houses. In both cases, there used to be a place where there was drugs and prostitution. Oh, yeah. Well, you it, know, almost like invited, it almost invited the presence oh, yeah. of evil and darkness there, yeah. Well, we got a call that not too long ago, right, of a, a guy's house. Uh, they bought this house, and what they didn't know, of course, the realtor didn't tell them, was that previously there was a, was a drug infestation. There was a bunch of sex crimes, being, and people there was a shootout. People were killed. And so they move into this house. And literally, there's just all this demonic stuff going on in the house because the drugs, the murders, the sex stuff all invited Satan in, and and they claimed the house, and so the priest had to go in and, and exercise the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that most people—it's it's interesting how even the Baptist will call the Catholic priest and say, oh, yeah. "We we know that you take care of this, or you come in for this." Yeah. We're, yeah, well, I find that interesting. You know, we 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 pray over lots of different people, and many times they're not Catholic. They can be uh, Muslim, uh, Jewish, uh, atheists. We pray over atheists, although we're clear with them. You know, we're going to invoke the power of Jesus to cast out the demons. Just so you know that. So mm-hmm. uh, it is interesting that people know that when you have demons, that you call a Catholic priest, which I right. I find so interesting. <laughs> What an important ministry and and maybe timely ministry where, like you said, you're seeing there's more cases of things. People are seeing it. There's more even you know, exorcists for dioceses that are usually more discreet, you know, who's who's involved in that ministry. But very important ministry, especially the extension, the ministry of the spiritual healing ministry of Jesus. In our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of your experiences and some of your chapters in your book. And we'll talk more about that when we return. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio, and we'll be back in a moment. The Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. 
The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Pope Francis launched preparations October 9th and 10th at the Vatican for the World Synod of Bishops, which will take place in 2023. On the theme, for a synodal church, communion, participation, mission, the church will seek input from dioceses around the world. Archbishop William E. Lorry launched the synodal process in the Archdiocese of Baltimore with a special mass October 17th at the Shrine of the Sacred Heart in Mount Washington. The Archbishop acknowledged he has received a lot of questions about what Synod is and whether it's just a lot of meetings to talk about meetings. He said a Synod is more than just a consequential church meeting, but that the word comes from the Greek roots that invoke, quote, a journey that we take together, not a journey from one physical destination to another, but rather a journey of mind, heart, and spirit that brings us together as one, end quote. He noted that the first church synod was the Council of Jerusalem, described in the Acts of the Apostles. Other examples of synods include the three plenary councils of Baltimore in the 19th century, in which the bishops of the United States made decisions about the practice of the faith in this country. Synodality refers to, quote, habits of the heart, end quote, that allows for fruitful discussions, Archbishop Laurie said. Quote, at various times, I have been part of intense discussions that led to wise outcomes, outcomes which none of the participants foresaw and which exceeded the personal wisdom of each participant, he explained. That's senality, end quote. He said those habits include fervent prayer in order to discern worthily, fidelity to authentic Catholic faith, and acquiring the virtues necessary to a true Christian. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to have Monsignor Stephen Rossetti. He recently wrote the book Diary of an American Exorcist that just came out from Sophia Press. It's a great read. I invite you to consider getting it. It's it's one of the ways that we learn from someone who's front lines in ministry. Let's go back to just the question about the importance of people living in the state of grace and making a good confession. I know you speak about that in, in your book. Can you speak about that just in general in terms of strengthening people so that they don't have influences in the significance of it? Well, it's a wonderful sacrament, sacrament of reconciliation. And for example, when someone comes to us and says they have demonic problems, the first thing we say is, before you get here, we want you to go to confession, you know, if they're Catholics. And I think it was one of the great exercises. I think it was God, Father Gabriel Morth or someone like that said that one good confession is worth 10 exorcists with an exorcist, probably more mm-hmm. actually. 
you know, that it really is a powerful way of casting out evil in our lives. So mm-hmm. I would say, when sometimes would priests say to me, oh, I'm not into this exorcism stuff. I said, yes, you are. If you're doing confessions, you're casting out demons. And it's just a wonderful uh, sacrament. And we, of course, I go every week. It's so important for us in this ministry to be really scrub clean, as we say. Mm-hmm. Can you speak also that not everybody's possessed? Can you speak of the other levels of what you experience and that you, mm-hmm. uh, that, you that is part of your blog in the book? As I tell, as I train exorcists, I, I say that, look, if, if most people think of possession as an on-off switch, you're either possessed or you're not possessed. And that, that's not the way it works. And if you have that idea, you can never really be an exorcist or, or discern because it's really a, a gradation. It's a line all the way from complete liberation to perfect possession. And most people come to us aren't fully possessed who need some work. Mm-hmm but they have different levels of demonic activity in their lives, more or less, depending on the severity of the problem. And we call them oppressions, obsessions, vexations, whatever. There's a lot of variety of different terms, but varying <laughs> levels of of demonic uh, presence in their lives. And, and that's important for us to be able to recognize that and then apply the right remedy. Could, could you give some examples of that, of what would be an example of someone to say, that person, these are signs of oppression or these are signs of obsession yeah. that you can distinguish? Well, the obsession, for example, that the demons really pound away at your brain. I mean, I had a priest, for example, uh, not long ago who was a little scrupulous. No, he's not bad. He had some little psychological issues around these sorts of, which are normal, you know, in, in people. But he was being pounded. I mean, he couldn't. He could barely do his ministry. He was just overwhelmed in his head. The scrupulosity and the thinking were, were grinding to him a halt. And he, he said, I don't know what's going on. I, can't, I, I can hardly minister. I said, you know, this sounds strange. And he's been in psychotherapy for a number of years and still wasn't abating this stuff. So I said, you know, let's, let's, try, let's try praying over you a few times. So I prayed over him about five times and some deliverance prayers. And it markedly changed. I mean, he went from being really obsessed to having a, a modest, low-level level of scrupulosity. So mm-hmm. what, what Satan does oftentimes, he'll take our weaknesses and he'll jack them up to a place where he can hardly function. And so mm-hmm. one way we discern is by praying over the person and see, and see if that a lot of that abates, which in his case it did. Mm-hmm. It, it is interesting. As a priest, I found that out, and your book talks about that, the, the, the gift of some deliverance prayers while it may not be for everybody. There's real anxiety and real depression of yeah. praying against a spirit of anxiety or depression, seeing fruits, immediate fruits from it after praying deliverance prayers. Can you can you speak about that? I know your book uh, speaks about it somewhat. And how do you, how would you distinguish between spiritual anxiety and uh, and and things like depression, which are can be psychological and also kind of a spiritual depression? I know one of one of yeah. your chapters talks about it. Your entries talk about it. You know. Yeah. Well, we last time we talked about the fact that I'm also a licensed psychologist. And so I'd say most of the time when people are suffering from anxiety, depression, it's a psychological thing, and they need to get some psychological means of healing, although Jesus does heal those too, of course. But sometimes they're actually uh, more demonically charged. There might be a little bit in your personality, but then the demons are really jacking them up. We had a couple of had a kind of priest who was suffering from this debilitating uh, depression, and and it was just way out, and it was wrecking his ministry, and he really was about to be put on permanent uh, leave. So, but we started, to, they referred him to us. We started talking to him, and he said, yeah, you know, this, this, isn't, this isn't right. I mean, you know, as a psychologist, you have a sense of what the normal, what we call pathogenesis and symptomatology of a, of a pathology is. And his wasn't exactly r- typical. 
So we started praying over him, and you know he's he's got a thousand percent better. It took us several months, mm-hmm. but uh, he's doing great now. He's back in ministry. I just got a note from him yesterday, and he's doing great, and he mm-hmm. feels like a thousand percent better. So it just takes some experience, some discernment, and looking for typical markers of either a spiritual demonic presence or a simply a psychological one. And I think what struck me hearing about this was they said it's the fruits. When we prayed, they got better in the ways they yeah. weren't getting better when they went to the psychologist. That, that that was some of the good fruit that came from it, and people who had <laughs> been witnesses to the good fruit of not every again not everybody needs a deliverance prayer again. Good psychology. Can you speak yeah. to also in in your book you speak about how do you know whether I guess they have deliverance ministries amongst the laity and and what would be rise up to the occasion of we really need to bring this to a priest? How would you make that distinction? Well, typically the front line of defense, if you will, is the parish priest. We like mm-hmm. it when someone who thinks they might have demonic problems have the priest pray over them. And if it's a normal, if you use that phrase, oppression or a modest amount of demonic activity, the local parish priest is fully has a full authority to do deliverance praying, and that's something I, we train priests in. You know, most people see your parish priest if you think you have a problem, let him pray over you. You know, if you're not fully possessed, he can take care of it with you. So mm-hmm. see your parish priest. But then, and then we train the parish. We're doing a training in October with a bunch of priests to train them in deliverance praying. And but then we train them and to show them when it might be appropriate to send a person to us as the exorcist. Especially, you know, when you start praying over a person. And for example, their eyes roll back. You see the whites of their eyes. This demonic presence comes forward and just starts spewing his evil at you. And then you say, okay. Phew. You know, this this is bad. Can you describe that a little more? I know in your book you spoke about the look and the snake eyes. Can you speak to that? That almost like for, for your average person, they're like, what, what does that even mean? Or what's your experience of it? Well, you know, after doing this ministry about 14 years, sometimes when you pray over a possessed person, you know, what happens is is the, the, the person's personality recedes in the background and the outcome is this demonic personality. And at the end of the session, sometimes I'll say to the person, how long do you think the session took? Ah, oh, was it about five, ten minutes? I say, we, we prayed over here an hour and a half. I say, what do you remember? Well, I remember the litany of the saints, and that's all. Well, that was the first prayer we said, the litany of the saints. They were out for the rest of the session. And then this evil presence comes forward, and just it, it, no human being can uh, fake that. You know, it mm-hmm. is so evil. The look in their eyes, the look as if, they could, if they could, they would rip you apart and stab you to death and kill you. you know, the rage and the violence is mm-hmm. uh, some striking. And you even said there's there's like things that come out of people's mouths. Again, these, these feel fantastical. But can you speak to that? What what is that? You what, what stupid is... priest. <laughs> you, <hear that? laughs> you know, you start playing with a person, mm-hmm. and the evil look comes on. They say, "You stupid priest, I hate you." You know, and even objects, were, even objects coming out of the mouth. Can you speak to that? That that almost seems well, like you know, when, have when liberation starts, you know, and the person starts getting better, they'll oftentimes start vomiting up uh, foam and all sorts of strange things, uh, and sometimes they'll start uh, they'll vomiting up things that are related to their uh, possession. I've got a I've two and a half inch bolt and washer in my desk here of some mm-hmm. something someone coughed up in a session. I mean, I've heard of stories of other exes where people coughed up snakes and all sorts of things. I mean, that stuff wasn't really in their in their stomach. It was it's, it, the, the demons materialized it uh, in their mouth as a uh, or other orifice as a uh, sign of demons leaving. Now, I know people don't believe it, but uh, we you know we've got the stuff to prove it. Mm-hmm. What about the role of intercessors in your ministry and the role of even the Blessed Virgin Mary? And the, the one I like that, that chapter on, she's the new light bearer. 
Christ yeah, yeah. that takes the place of the one who fall, who was fallen Lucifer. Well, I would say that the idea of the Exodus being sort of a solo operator or Dugan, we, we work in a team. I don't pray everybody by myself. I mean, we have a little mm-hmm. team there, and we use the laity extensively, and many of them are very gifted. We not only use them as prayer warriors, but also they can be discerners, and they, and they can be spiritual directors, and they can be an integral part of the team and very important working with the possessed person. So we train them and we we use them, and they've been a great gift for us. And, of course, you mentioned the Blessed Virgin Mary. She, as I tell exorcists, if you don't have a devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, you're in the wrong ministry. She mm-hmm. is so much a part of this ministry of crushing Satan's head with her heel and just a, a beautiful, humble presence of love healing. So when she shows up, the, the demons can't get out of the room fast enough. So mm-hmm. I've seen her present time and again to really have a great impact. Wonderful. Well, well, Monsignor Rossetti, what a blessing. Can you speak to, where can people get your book? And you want to speak about the app where people can learn more about your ministry? Sure. Uh, the book, Diary of an American Exorcist, it's, it's been a bestseller already. And, and uh, thank God, uh, Sophia Institute Press is the best place to get it. Sophia Institute Press, or you can Amazon or any place has it. Then we have an app, free app, called Catholic Exorcism. So download the free app, Catholic Exorcism, and in that app, you'll see all sorts of great deliverance prayers for laity, all sorts of resources, articles, books, all sorts of stuff. So, But primarily, those a lot of deliverance, deliverance prayers for laity that you can find in the app or in the website, catholicexorcism.org. So it's a great resource. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Monsignor Rossetti, thank you for your time. Blessings on your ministry, and may many people pray pray for you who are on the front lines. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. May God bless you. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.